Welcome to The Floor, Fantasy and Sci-Fi Lore. We are diving into episode two of Monarch Legacy of Monsters. We're going to talk about some pivotal lore points that come up in this episode. The meeting of the original members of Monarch. Bill Randa talking about his uh, dive into cryptozoology and how that will then set up the course of his career and how that will impact the development of everything that comes after. And we will also pitch our treasure room question, who would win in a fight, these uh, little dragons that Aaron calls title mites, or Ghidorah? And uh, so if that is what you're looking for, this is the episode for you. Roll the intro. Do you remember the first story that was so spellbinding it drove you to break the rules and stay up all night to keep reading, keep watching, keep playing? So good you forgot your life and lived there? So good the moment it ended you asked yourself, what next? Welcome to the floor. Our goal is to take you back, take you deeper to explore and understand more and relive that childlike wonder. Join us as we dive deep into humanity's greatest stories, no matter how they are told, through books, movies, television, even games. One of us does an in-depth research on the topic. One of us is familiar with the topic. And one of us knows nothing. So the right questions will always be asked and addressed for anyone coming into the topic, regardless of how much you know. Enjoy another world, another adventure, Another spellbinding story. Join us on the floor. We are continuing into Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Uh, we're actually going to talk a little bit more about episode one because there's a couple points I missed. Uh, we'll just run right through them real quick. So, Kentaro, I think it's the boy's name, uh, he goes to his father's office. He shows Kate the, the his office. His father was Bill Randa? Bill Randa's son. So he, so Kintaro is a grandson, like yes. Kate. Okay. Yes. Okay. Both grandchildren. So Hiroshi Randa is the son. Okay. Okay. Yes. She asks Kintaro what she thought the father did. He says software for satellites because they both didn't know. There was a map on the wall in the office. We talked about this last episode. Eli brought it up briefly. Um, it looks kind of like satellites. It's of the it's of the Earth, but there's a lot of, you know, dots marked on. And it, there's there's like a big squiggly like uh, thing of like different uh, sightings or events that you know he's tracking, kind of this pattern that he's seeing. Yep, uh, they find a safe behind the map, and Kate apparently is safe cracker one million because she cracks it on her like fifth <laughs> attempt. Very impressive. Uh, she's using birthdays of uh, his family members. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, son's birth month, her birthday, one mom's birth month, other mom's birthday. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she figured it out. Like that, it was pretty impressive. They then take this bag that was in the safe that we saw before the first episode that Bill had thrown in the water that was found in 2013 by the fisherman, and it was full of tapes from all of his adventures. And, which is interesting, Eli, because I didn't really realize this until I looked back. That means that he only, at most, had those tapes for about a year and a half. Oh. Because it was found in 2013. 
Interesting. He had just come across them, really. Yeah, because the attack was in 2014. So, like, at, if it was at the beginning of 2013 when he got it, but he wasn't even on that fishing vessel. So, I don't know exactly how long it took him to find them and procure them. Right. Interesting. Okay. Maybe he's got a fishing buddy. Maybe. <laughs> but, like, even if he found him instantaneously, month one of January of 2013, when those were found, and then Godzilla attack was at the end of 2024, which I think it was in the middle. You're looking at two years at most of him doing research. I think it was closer to a year. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. They, yeah, because I thought they were like, this was a lifetime. So I think it was a lifetime. He had information from his dad, but these tapes specifically, he just recently got. Okay. Yeah, yeah he's got a bunch of other documents and things, but uh, yeah, those tapes from the island that he made, right? He had a video camera out there filming on Skull Island. That he threw into the water. Yes. Yep. And then he wanted to jump in and get, and then he remembered there was monsters. <laughs> uh, he didn't. <laughs> I don't think he forgot for a minute. I, don't think, I, I think he just weighed his options for a moment and be like, could I get it? What yeah. else is in there? Could I get it? What else is in there? What if I got a long stick? Like, <laughs> No, yeah. hey, we've, all, we've all dropped me, stuff in water and thought, what if I get a long <laughs> stick? Just, just going through your options. What if I jump in? Don't want to do that. What if I get a long stick? Probably fall in. Don't want to do that either. What if I do a rope on a magnet? No, they're videotapes. Shoot. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, cause, which, which is you know really terrible because you know Skull Island is just known for its abundance of magnets and ropes. <laughs> Any hoozles, we now, uh, they got the tapes, they're intrigued by them, they go and find Kentaro's girlfriend, May, or ex-girlfriend, excuse me, and they have this, hey. well, they want the energy that you always love in a show. And, and she's our hacker. She's our hacker. She came straight out of cyberpunk, just like checking out her room. <laughs> like, they, they, they really do the, the video styling really well, because like, the cleansing feeling of when uh, Cat Kate is in like the airplane or in the airport, it just it just feels so sterile. <laughs> and then when they go to the the apartment, it feels like a traditional Japanese home. And then when you in go Tokyo. into yep in Tokyo, just like you have the pictures, you have to just set up the mood energy. Um, and then you go into the hacker's room, and it's just... Did you mean feng shui? Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I meant to have said. Did and... you say funky town? Yeah, funky town. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> very funky town. Yeah, funky town. It's very funky town. The hacker's room is very funky town. And then so she starts hacking these these files, and when she hacks them, we see that Monarch gets a, a notification about these all these files being hacked. And we... They send the SWAT team. Yeah, well, we, we briefly meet Tim. And uh, then we uh, switch over to flashback of Bill Rand and his team. Back where they were searching for that hellhole. And they see a bunch of dormant, uh, potentially dormant larva eggs. And so, like mm -hmm. any good scientist, they were like, well, they seem dormant. Let's get a sample. Well, but first, I they, they give a, a good shout out to... Uh... Kong Skull Island and the way they're looking 
underground is they set up depth charges or you know explosives and explode right. them and look for yeah. the readings and then like oh there's a giant pit down here and they get all excited they're like this is what we've been looking for oh yeah they do do that that's true i i did miss that and i think the other part that was really good about this is because we talked about this in the last episode is why you want uh like an army person and like a scientist on the same team like to do these kind of things because you want a little balance so you had these two scientists bill and his wife and they're arguing over how they were supposed to bury the charges. It was supposed to be a grid pattern or a circular pattern. And then the army guy was like, this is so annoying. Fire in the hole. It's so annoying. Fire in the hole. And so it's just, it was just good. Because at some point, it's like you got to stop doing science. You just got to do the thing you came to do. Mm-hmm. And then that's when they got all giddy. And they were like, this is the best day ever. Nothing bad could go wrong. And then the skull crushers come. Uh, <laughs> wow. And then the dormant larvae. Well, became less. Yeah, torment. no skull crushers here. Yeah, no scroll crawlers, but crawlers, crawlers, yeah, but yeah. no skull crushers either. From what I saw, <laughs> whatever those are. All right, so now we're gonna meet. So we're gonna go to Japan, 1952. This is where we kind of meet uh, Lee uh, Lee Shaw. Lee, Lee Shaw. Shaw. He's the military escort. We also learn a little bit about his backstory. He's got like a black eye, and he was getting in trouble for not even fighting with the other branches or the the townsfolk of, of the area he's been deployed in, but fighting with his own men and you see the flashback and they were just being impolite to a waitress. So it's like, okay, so he clearly has moral fiber. That's what we get from him. He's kind of simple in, in what he does, but he sticks up for what's right. Is kind of what you get from him just early on. <laughs> and he's also kind of older traditional which is really fun he has an interaction he's supposed to go provide protection for a doctor a Japanese doctor and when he gets off the plane or the boat he's looking for him and some lady walks up to him and he does not for the life of him even consider her as the doctor (laughs) yeah and so she sticks it to him a little bit and he turns red in the face and it's pretty cute yeah so this this lady is we talked about her earlier on. This is the grandmother. This is Bill Randa's wife. Her name's Kiko. Kiko Mira. Oh, Mira. Or I just realized why Shaw sounds familiar. That's from the Xenoverse. <laughs> Shaw is one of the early scientists. I was like, I feel like there's something. Now I found <laughs> it. Now. It's unrelated to, to this. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. A Xeno attaching to Godzilla's face might be one of the coolest, most terrifying things we can get. <laughs> but they'd be big enough to do anything. I don't even think they could penetrate the skin. I, I mean, we, we got to get like a, a Transaurus Rex Xeno at least. Like, yeah, you got to like step up to it. You know how the predators will always like kill like one uh, thing at a time, like one predator. It's like, oh, I won mm-hmm. that fight. It's like step up, step up. That's all the aliens got to do. It's just like, well, I'm gonna infect <laughs> this mouse, then this bear, then this dude. <laughs> Till I get to Titans. Yeah, till I get to Titans. You're going to infect a whole planet after that. Let's see here. So he's protecting this gal. Um, there's some notes about, um, some banter about how he thinks it's a snipe hunt, which just means a wild goose chase. And then this, there's a noise in the distance, and he goes to check on it while the doctor's working. And what this year is, is this? 1952. 52, okay. And this is where Bill Randa comes out with his camera. So much younger. 
he thinks there's something going on here too. And then Lee Shaw comes out from behind him with a gun in his head, asking him what he's doing there. Just want to point out, Lee Shaw's got great gun, like gun safety protocol because his finger's not even on the trigger. Because like all you're supposed to do is like intimidate people. You don't want your finger on the trigger and they bump or something. You just blasted them. And this is when we find out, like, like this is our early Bill Randa. And uh, he starts out as a cryptozoologist, uh, the study of uh, creatures that don't exist or creatures that are extinct. And, and so that is why he is here. That makes sense, right? You don't start out monarch just being like, I'm going to search for these giant creatures because I think it'd be cool if they were. Right, like you start, you start somewhere else, and I think that that's a good choice, right? He starts in crypto, where it's both the search for new species and the investigation of extinct species. Yeah, right. And and he's got a really good uh, uh, phrase in here when he's kind of being scrutinized. Is he's like, I'm not so much interested in stories about dragons. I'm interested in why people tell the stories they tell. Yeah, it's it's pretty clever because it's like, well, why are so many cultures throughout the world have similar themes or similar stories or similar monsters. It's like, wait a second. Maybe there's something there. Good. I think that's a, that's a good line. I'm looking forward to it. Be like, I'm not interested in, was it, was it, I'm not interested in dragons. I'm interested in why so many people tell stories about dragons or tell the stories they tell. Yeah. Yeah. I would have written it. I'm not interested in stories about dragons, I'm interested in why so many cultures tell stories about dragons. Let's take a break here. All right, welcome back. We are going over the first part of Monarch, and we're kind of getting into the history of our uh, characters here, and as they're coming together in first meeting and creating this little team that will create the research that will become Monarch. So we left off with Lee and Kiko meeting Bill Randa. He starts, Bill Randa starts working with them. Lee's very uncomfortable with it. He mentions it a few times and Kiko's like, you know what? I didn't ask for you. I don't want you here. Just leave, basically. So then he does just that. He up and leaves. Oh, jeez. Yeah. You keep, you keep saying Kiko, it's Miko. It's Miko? <laughs> Are you sure? I, it's I'm looking Miko. at it right now. Okay, so you might be right. Like, I mean, yeah, that's fair. So Miko, not Kiko. Jeez, that's got to be embarrassing for whoever kept getting that wrong. We'll have to send them flowers. <laughs> Seriously. We could just do a blend. Chemico. Chemico, <laughs> yeah, chemical. So any hoozles, uh, Miko and Bill... Are go off to find the source of the weirdness that they were tasked out here for. It's like Bill Rader knows exactly where to go and what he's looking for. It's crazy. And Miko's just along for the ride. Yeah, he's a little intuitive. Yeah, he's just like, dude, we're almost there. She's like, to what? And he's like, the Lawton. Oh, I thought he was going to say, the whole to hell. The whole to hell. Now, well, he has done a lot, a lot of independent research. Whereas right. she is following specific uh, signs, taking scientific data and whatnot. Whereas he is encapsulating stories from people and just just gathered a lot more information on a broader sense. 
Right. Yeah. This is uh, kind of like a data scientist versus the anthropologist, right? The mm-hmm. data scientist is just looking at the numbers. And the anthropologist is just collecting all of the stories and the cultural experiences of the people. Right. One person is being like, oh, this thing is this old. And the other guy is like, oh, that means we're in this era. That means we're working with this people. And this was after yeah. this massive war. And yeah. Yeah. These yeah, are the exactly. technologies available at the time. Yeah. So they come across a ship that is not where it really should be. Yeah, so it's in the middle of... We've seen that on Skull Island. Yeah, but Skull Island isn't supposed to be where it is. You don't look at Skull Island and go, oh, gee, this seems safe. This seems like it should be here. Like, no, that's from hell. I think it's interesting. Anyways, uh, the Lawton, Bill Rand actually talks about it in Skull Island. Uh, He mentioned it as the ship that uh, they, they said just went down without a trace, but it was actually, like, scarred and ruptured by a Titan, the ship that he was on. Yeah, do do you remember this, Joe? Uh, so back in the movie Skull Island, he talks about a ship that he was on that went I down. I don't. Like, my one memory of uh, John Goodman or Bill Randa in Skull Island is him sitting there saying that he studied Mudos. And okay. that was, and so they were the, here to the yeah. reason, the inception of him studying Mudos is because he was on the Lawton when a Titan attacked. He was the only survivor. Okay. He yeah, did sole survivor. So was he a cryptozoologist before, or did he become one after? He became one after that attack. Okay. Mm. So he got attacked. Everyone said that, you know, you, you can't make up things about Titans and stuff. That's clearly not a thing. He was the only survivor. The military said it was just, you know, it just went down. Nobody believed him, so he started gaining research himself. That's why he was always had a camera with him was always recording things oh yeah after that it just carries a camera because, you gotta have it yeah because then it's like, they don't believe you where's your proof of a titan uh the latin got taken with it like a freaking chew toy and all my mates are dead and i didn't have a camera so now he always carries a camera that makes perfect sense i would too except <laughs> i wanted you <laughs> Right, but this is different <laughs> this is, yeah this is before cell phone yeah you you don't always have yours on he basically always has his on until he's you know died. He's just walking. He's just walking around with a body cam twenty four seven. Yeah, but just in case. But it was back just in, in the fifties and seventies, fifties through seventies. So it was a whole like shoulder mount camera because that was the option. <laughs> right. Would have had that. Could he? Had, I'm sure. Uh, let's see here. Uh, they get to the Lawton. They start looking around. This is where Miko learns the importance of this this ship. Uh, when Bill Randa walks immediately to his old dorm and opens it up and grabs his hat. And, you know, it's a really powerful scene because you see, like, him next to his, like, chest of drawers with his name on it. It's like, damn. Took him, like, what, 10 years, I think, is what it was to find it? Five to 10 years? I can't remember the timeline there. Yeah, it's somewhere around there. I could be completely off, but it was a substantial amount of time. Um, And then they get attacked by... Well, uh, microtite, tight, tight mite. <laughs> you made this word up. Yeah. Uh, title mite. Mite tight. Yeah, mite tight, title mite. You know, we're going to have somebody judge it and decide which one's best. I think <laughs> it should be titan mite, not title. Like, Ooh. title sounds like yeah, a, that's a true. title mite. Titan mite. Yeah, titan mite, I can get behind. Titan mite. So, a titan mite attacks 
Um, and they're getting like smushed inside there and they, they have nowhere to go. And then we learned at the beginning of this episode. Well, uh, a little bit interesting, uh, before the attack, uh, we, we see crew members here who are, uh, preserved in like a, a viscous goo. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, I remember that alien, and then, and, and, like it so inspired. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all very alien-esque. Um, but, uh. You know, these bodies should have decomposed and they didn't. It preserved them. Whoa, that's, that's kind of a big deal. And it, this is all over the ship, but it's also all over uh, the crew members that were still inside. It's a cool way to keep your food fresh. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, Titanmite attack, Titanmite attacks. Are we there now? Can I do that? Yep. Perfect. Titanmite attacks, starts crushing like the hallways of the ship so they can't escape. Miko gets stuck, and then remember the opening of this episode where we learned that Lee Shaw likes to protect. Well, he shows up in the nick of time, saving everyone. Looks off into the distance, saving heroically. everyone. <laughs> and then he pulls them out of there, and then the whole ship gets flipped and torn apart, and we see this bat dragon fly out of it. Jeez. And this is where Lee Shaw's like, "Oh my gosh, it's a dragon! It's a literal dragon!" And I just thought that was such a cute way to see that because I was like, bro, you have never seen Ghidorah. (laughs) (laughs) You have never seen Ghidorah. Uh, Yeah, dude, that thing's the size of his foot. All right, any other lore points to go over? Uh, Real real quick, there was something interesting in the sky that was going on. I didn't research into it that much. It had something to do with just cosmic something or other. Yeah, so it looks kind of like a... A rainbow flipped on its side, a little bit more like geodesic storm like you have with northern lights, but not the northern lights. And and it's like this big hoop in the sky. So at the moment, they're just hinting at this. We haven't gone into the lore No, yet. it's just, it's how uh, Lee Shaw knew where to find them. It was like over the, the ship. Oh, okay. So we'll get more into it as we progress. But, you know, right now we saw it. It was interesting. Um, and then... Uh, on the flip side, we're going to go back to K- Kate real quick. She gets captured by Monarch, and then when they, they put a bag over her head and when they put her in the car, she's not allowed to see where they're going. They're acting like you know they're not trying to hurt her or anything, at least that's what they're saying. Uh, but when the bag goes over her head, she freaks out and has her PTSD. It starts kicking everything, and the car crashes, and she runs away. Um, and then Kentaro and May, so the son and, or the grandson and his ex-girlfriend both have Monarch come looking for them as well or trying to figure out about you know where this these files were leaked from and then they all meet up and that's kind of oh and Kentaro gets a picture from his mom of Lee Shaw and then they all meet up and they are going to go look for him and find him so that's kind of where we <laughs> end up alright do we have a treasure room question how many bat dragons would it take to beat Kidora in a fight I can't answer this. I've never seen the bat dragon. Okay, well, yeah. we'll we'll give you we'll give you a size, and then uh, we'll we'll go from there. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We have mentioned in the past that if you go to the Patreon page, we have collections of all the different worlds and pieces of lore we have covered. For example, if you want everything we have ever done about Baldur's Gate, from the invention of D and D to Baldur's Gate 1, Baldur's Gate 2, Dark Alliance, all of that. You can find individual collections for all of those or just one big collection containing all of Baldur's Gate or all of D&D. So everything we have covered, everything we have covered 
Eberron, Marvel, DC, Aliens, Zooniverse, Cyberpunk, Dune, and more. We have collections for each of those worlds. And I do want to mention that on the Patreon, the only thing behind the subscription is the Treasure Room content. Anything that has been released in the podcast for free is still free there. It is just a better organization of the information that the podcast app doesn't let us do. They are just a big list and you just got to type in your search words. On the Patreon, there are tags for everything. You got Fantasy, D&D, Creature Features, Baldur's Gate 1, Baldur's Gate 2, Dark Alliance, all of that. Just an individual tag for those episodes. And as I said, we do have collections just to make this as easy as possible to find what you're looking for. We have learned in the past that a lot of people who listen to the floor, they're interested in one or two of the worlds. And they may check out one or two of the episodes when we switch worlds. But they're really just mostly interested in that. So we just want to like consolidate everything you're looking for to make it just as easy as possible to access. So check that out just to make your life easier. And uh, we are working at making sure you can download any of the free episodes there. So even if you're going to lose Wi-Fi or connection, you can get the episodes you want before that happens or just not burn your data while you're traveling to and from work or whatever else is you do while you listen. And uh, thank you. I hope you continue to enjoy the show.